This is being recorded when Donald Trump is still alive. Correct. This Donald Trump, Donald John Trump, alive. He currently. is still alive, and I think that this is important. I want to. I don't like to. You know, we don't talk about this sort of political stuff too much. But I just have been thinking about it so much. So, if we're doing a little check in, this has basically been my entire past five or six days has just been thinking about the president having coronavirus. <laughs> that's all I've been doing besides working is just thinking about this. And even when I should be working, I'm just thinking about this. And the weird, this particular moment is strange because um, he just let himself out of the hospital and mm -hmm. everyone is calling him invincible and nobody on his team is acknowledging the fact that it is going to get significantly worse now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, everybody uh, across the board seems to imply that, like, uh, the first couple days of getting coronavirus is unpleasant, but maybe not be terrible. And then uh, you hit a, um, a trench, a Marianas trench of, of shittiness yeah. <laughs> after that. No, I'm a big fan of this. I think it really boosts street cred. Um, you know, I, I, I grew <laughs> up during the uh, Tupac era, and I remember when he got shot a bunch of times uh, leaving a studio in New York City and then walked, uh, checked himself out of the hospital and then went to Jasmine Guy's house to hang out. Uh, Jasmine Guy, the star of A Different World, so that he could recoup safely among his friends and peers and i feel you know that's what trump is doing like sure he got cooties he got corona cooties and he <laughs> checked himself out of walter reed hospital and went back to where he feels safe you know the white house he's going to stanley shara's house in the sky <laughs> yeah no it's uh honestly i think this has been good for him um not for his political aspirations or his life or anything like that uh but specifically his face because I don't know if you guys have noticed, um, but like a lot of the news coverage has been that he's had to take various versions of steroids. And oh, yeah. I've got to say, uh, as a friend who has a friend who has um, ulcerative colitis, which is a autoimmune disease that often necessitates steroids, what happens is you usually get puffy face. Oh, yeah. Uh, and right now, Donald Trump has puffy face. But the thing is... His face was too droopy before. He had too much like of a vagina neck situation going on. Mm -hmm. So the fact that his face is all is, is just a little bit more filled out. He's got a little bit more. Um, uh, it's called moon face when you have like a kind of a big round steroid. Sure. Face. It's like a 360 filler for his whole face. It looks great. I mean, it looks great. He looks plump. Exactly. He looks like a plump peach emoji. Also. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also like the, the thing like. He, look, the, the man is usually a maniac, right? Like, this guy is a madman. But to say, I have never felt, I haven't felt this good in 20 years is just so explicitly a, a response to steroids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. I, this man, yeah. this man is full of bluster and mania and says dumb shit, but that is, that's the drugs talking, man. That is, I don't know what else it could be. Dude, I love steroids. I am 100% on <laughs> yeah. board with taking, I used to have to take prednisone when I would get, uh, I had terrible yes. asthma. 
and yeah, pneumonia yeah. sometimes when I was little, and I would take prednisone. And you know, I'm I'm like a bony little bird boy, and yet I would take a couple of these pills and be like, ah, oh, it's time to do ten push-ups for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this is exactly what happened to my friend Carrie, where she would call me at like two in the morning and be like. Yeah, I'm, I'm cleaning my craft room. I just took some prednisone. This <laughs> is exact. He is just high on the good stuff right now, and uh, he's you know he's, he feels invincible. It's yeah, really you cool. do. You feel bulletproof for a couple hours. So uh, you know this is this productive window he's got before the cytokine storm kicks in and he drowns mm-hmm. in his own fluids. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think. I think it here here's my theory. I think if he does die, um I think it's going to be a little bit anticlimactic because realistically it's just going to be in his sleep. Like we're just going we all of us probably because we're all on the East Coast are probably just going to wake up one day and be like the president died in his sleep because he probably couldn't breathe. He probably he just had the end result of what every weirdo who doesn't uh, actually uh help their sleep apnea does just fucking you know just choked on their on his own fucking throat you know uh but like that doesn't that the idea of like trump running full steam ahead like alleging that he's going to burn down the entire democracy with voter fraud allegations get a sixth (laughs) supreme court justice seat in just like destroy a like a senile like stuttering bumbling old man in a debate doing all these things on full force and then immediately, like, tripping, falling down, shitting his pants, and breaking his neck five feet before <laughs> the finish line. I love it. I don't know. I, there's something about it that feels very satisfying. Sure. He he pushed it to the limit. Like, yeah. I would do a montage of this with that song from Scarface playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he did, and he's gonna be like the uh, he's gonna be like the guy uh, of the YouTube video of the guy who's like about to win a stage race in the Tour de France, but he's like a hundred meters away, and he does the like, yes, yes, and then he <laughs> falls over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and does not win that stage race. Yeah, it might not be about the end goal, but it is the journey, and he's he's absolutely lived the journey. For me, I feel like Donald Trump was like, he's like, you're going to be so tired. You're going to win so much. You're going to be tired of winning. Maybe the person who was really tired of winning was Donald Trump himself. Oh, the, the, David. That's, <laughs> that's well, what he's yeah. killing. As an advocate, I, I, he believes in a positive mental attitude and sort of like mm-hmm. your thoughts governing your reality. So mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, then if that's the case, he... Uh, brought the sickness upon himself with negative thoughts, you know? Like, if right. he had powerful enough mm-hmm. mental power, he would... <laughs> powerful enough power, he would uh, cure himself of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just been fucking with a little bit too much chaos magic, you know? He got, like, some some good vibes off of that or some productive vibes, but now he's just getting the universal to sort of, like, <laughs> like whiplash right back. But... We'll see. We'll see, everybody. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, out of the hospital for now. But who knows? It, who literally knows? This the, this coronavirus announcement happened just as people were discussing having Donald Trump Jr. run for office in Pennsylvania. That was his hubris moment. Yeah. He said, what? That was his moment of hubris where he said, yes, I think that my son, who I trust with nothing, should run for office. <laughs> 
that was the moment where he finally, where Donald Trump became president. And uh, that's a, that, 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 that's a, it, it, I don't know. I just think it's a very strange time, particularly. Obviously, after we finish recording, there will be new updates within hours. And when this comes out, it's going to be com- a completely different scenario, I'm sure. The vice presidential debates will have happened. But yeah, for now, this is such a particularly bleak time to be a supporter of Donald Trump because you have such a false sense of hope right now. And they just feel like there's just like Ben Shapiro comparing him to just like this like comeback king in like a boxing match and just Ben Garrison, I'm sure, is like jerking off. And there's just like some really um it's a strange moment. That's all I have to say, guys. <laughs> uh how are you guys doing? I'm feeling good, man. I'm, you know, I'm stocking up on provisions for the winter, just really thinking about the commodities that I'll need uh, as we move into like a Mad Max season for me, Uh, a cold, an Arctic blast Mad Max season for me. I got my rugs. I got my plants. Those are the Uh things I need. I got uh, new water filters, you know, for my Brita. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm good. You don't trust that New York City water? Dude, I don't. Uh, come on, come on. Even when people say it's the best water in the world, I'm like, are the pipes the best? I Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's we've it's like it's a, Yeah. Well, it's kind of like really that's such a good hole in their argument. I that's so yeah. precise. <laughs> it's a hole like a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, everywhere we go, we've got this like illusion of hygiene and cleanliness. It's like you get on the subway and they're like, "Oh, don't worry, we closed the subway from midnight to 2 a.m. and we spray, we wiped everything down. And then all you need is one coronavirus person to walk in there and like breathe. And it doesn't right. matter that they wiped yeah. it all down. It's like, oh, our water's the best. Our pipes are covered in feces. Like <laughs> <laughs> the best, hey, the best I, water, <laughs> lead pipes. <laughs> uh. I I do love that subway analogy because you know that there's got to have been a time where like the L has been at 8th Avenue. It's at its little home. It's hanging out. Everybody just gave it a nice wipe down. And then like a man with a literal pig pen like esque cloud follows and just sits down and just <laughs> and then, like a big, big of <laughs> dust just goes around him and it turns into the disgusting car again. And it's just like, well, that was fun for how, for when it lasted. So I, I'm freaked out about drinking tap water because, and I love the idea that we have tap water. It feels like uh, water should be one of those things that's free always and should be accessible to everyone and clean. Um, that's the hallmark of like a good civilization. But yeah. I grew in DC. I remember in Washington, um, there was this huge scare about water, um, like the the system not being clean. And then after that scare, this was like the early '90s, maybe late '80s. After that scare, mm-hmm. um, my family got the big bottles of water delivered. And it, and I remember the uh-huh. very moment where bottled water stopped being this designer um, commodity. Like yeah. before that, it was fashionable people in like the hip gay neighborhoods that were drinking Perrier. And mm-hmm. then after this water crisis, bottled water became like av- ubiquitous. It became something that it normal for everyone to purchase. And like we lost this idea that it was something that should be 
free. Yeah, that that honestly is one of the. It it, it is such a tragedy because it is so ingrained in people's minds now. Like, I mean, uh, Gabe, David, I'm sure you guys have like been in a situation where you'll you'll be at like a fast casual place like Chipotle or Qdoba or you know something like <laughs> That's that. That's where oh, I spend you know, 87% of my day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the places one of the, the four places that I eat consistently <laughs> and uh, uh you'll you'll go and you'll get your bowl and you'll be behind somebody and you'll see you'll see behind you there is the soda machine that has the little the little water Oh, yeah. you can get plenty of just available water right there you can ask the person at the counter for a clear cup and they'll give it to you yes they will and you'll have water and you'll watch that person in front of you with a dead look in their face just be like poland spring please and that's just like they it's like they don't it's like the the idea of it of just it being this free thing that's accessible and everything it's just like it's just it's it's uh it's on the downfall you know yeah, yeah, yeah. They go. You go with the brand over, and it's the exact same product. Chidoba socialism, man. That was the, <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. By the way, uh, anybody in the greater New York City area, if you are thirsty and you do not have access to water, go into the Chipotle and just ask for water because they'll give it to you. What a lifesaver it's been this entire summer. The Chipotle has been excellent, especially okay. when there's been nowhere to sit and you need water. Okay, we need to just, we've been talking about getting advertisers for this show. We just have to just suck it up and get Qdoba <laughs> and Chipotle. I think we need to get both of them because we've given more business shout outs to those two fast casual restaurants than I think anyone Uh I think they would like. I think that they would like having both of them on there. No, look, we're sponsored by the Kudoba on Knickerbocker and Myrtle. Yeah. All right, <laughs> shout out, shout out to them, uh, and also a big, uh, a big uh, thumbs down for letting people order three bowls at one time while they're fucking FaceTiming with their dumb mom, and they're like, "What do you want? What do you want?" And like, mm -hmm. it takes fucking ten minutes to have one person go through the line, and I'm sitting there super hungry. Because I don't have any other food in my house, so sh so, so shout out, shout out to them. That's probably an know? essential worker or someone saving a mom's life by not going outside. Danny, how do you feel about that? <laughs> shut, shut, <laughs> shut up, David. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I think the point of this is that we've got to prep, and that person should have prepped mm -hmm. before they left the house. Mm -hmm. Dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> how are you two? How are, how are you preppers doing? I mean, I'm 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 good. Uh, I, you know, I'm pre I'm prepping my space for a new sewing machine table. I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm I'm ready to get that in my life. Um, I I'm I'm gonna visit Seattle at the end of the month or mid end of the month, so I can report to you guys uh, how on fire or not on fire uh, it is. Um, but luckily by that time we will have entered the dark zone, uh -huh. uh, as it is referred to in the in the Pacific Northwest. The dark zone. Um, I know you. The dark zone. Is, As is um, predicted in the prophecies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that, I know is that just uh, like post election blues? Is that just when people are sad about they can't work on their campaigns anymore? Is that what the dark times are? Or are you drunk? Is it like a meteorological thing? It's a longitudinal thing. We're, oh. <laughs> we're, oh, it's, we're Seattle. It's just dark. Seattle's 
literally yeah it's literally dark, oh, dark. <laughs> like seattle oh, okay. it's just literally dark. it's literally dark i'm I, <laughs> I i i don't i can't remember if i've even mentioned this but like at, there was a point in my life when i was 13 where i th- it was like november and or or later or something like that and i was like man why do i get sad in the winters and it's because it's fucking dark at 4 30 p.m <laughs> where it's like high up it's way higher up than New York. Like New York is, or New York City yeah. is like on the same plane as like Northern California. Yeah, and and DC is probably uh, in line with like San Francisco or even a little bit below there. Yeah. So like all the, all it doesn't. I mean like, could you imagine living in fucking like Ireland uh, or like Stockholm, Stockholm where it gets dark at like three or two thirty p.m.? I think what Danny is trying to say is America is tilted. It's getting tilted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> getting tilted, getting twisty, getting getting twisted, America. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the point of that joke was. Uh, so <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> so. Look, uh, we have a, a program. We want to talk about some stuff that's uh, all uh, wild and exciting and a little uh, a little frightening. We want to talk about commodities today. Uh, Gabe alluded to it earlier, uh, and. The first commodity that we're going to look at is a check-in from our FinCEN Files friends. And but but before but David, before we go any further though. Yeah. Just a just a quick refresher to anybody. What's a commodity? Commodity is stuff. Commodities <laughs> are stuff, okay? It, yeah. So it's shit like uh it's shit like gold, it's shit like uh oil. Oil's a commodity. Um what else is a commodity? Pork bellies. Uh, pork bellies. Timber. Pork bellies timber all that stuff so when we talk about commodities we're talking about stuff the opposite of securities <laughs> yeah it, the, so commodities are things that have a, pr- a value right mm-hmm. these are things that have usually raw materials that have some value that whose value changes in price depending on the mood ring of uh, of the stock market right yeah so a big thing happened. We, uh, last episode, we talked about the uh, FinCEN files, and or two episodes ago, or whatever. Uh, we made a mistake in the in putting out the most recent audio. Everyone, apologies <laughs> for that. Uh, I blame I blame my cat and myself, but really, I I blame Donald Trump. And the FinCEN files were a big leak uh, that BuzzFeed and a few other journal and international journalists at the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Uh, re- revealing the level of uh, the f- financial, what's, what's it called, FinCEN? What does it stand for, folks? It is a U.S. federal agency, regulatory agency, that's supposed to yeah. track money laundering in the United yeah. States, okay? And FinCEN basically has received huge swaths of suspicious activity reports of potential money laundering and has largely ignored them. And the documents that were received by BuzzFeed and folks uh, were all laying out some of the mo- wildest suspicious activity reports. Uh, yes. And one of, we talked about it a little bit uh, when we spoke about the episode, but one story that has come out recently, and I assume that there will be more coming out soon, this is by Kyra Gurney. And this is called the FinCEN Files Investigations into the Gold Trade from Around the World. Okay. Gold companies are involved in roughly a quarter of all suspect transactions across the FinCEN files. Okay? Yeah. So 
all want 25% of all of these money la- alleged money laundering activities involve gold somehow. Danny, your response. Uh, I got to say they're they're smart, they're cool. Uh, I'm glad they've chosen the the shiniest and most uh, appealing of the of these things to um, turn their blood money into into something that they can actually spend. Uh, as we all know, gold is amazing. Uh, it's uh, you, it, you can make leaf out of it. Yep. Uh, it's it. It's, <laughs> what can I say? It's gold. It's lovely. But gold is not just uh, a thing that has value in that it is shiny and what have you. It, it is also concentrated in its value. There is a scarce amount of gold. So if you have a million, two million, three million dollars, if you put that amount of money into physical bills, uh, it's big, it's bulky, it's hard to move. Uh, also, it's incredibly traceable. But gold uh, is uh, small. It's not necessarily light. But a gold bar, um, you know, that's taking a million dollars cash that's like this big and then taking it and <laughs> making it this big. You know what One I'm talking about? One of the reasons about? why you love gold is its space efficiency, is what you're saying. It is. It, it, it is incredibly space efficient. Uh-huh. There's the, the known gold on the planet could fit under the base of the Eiffel Tower. That's how much gold there is. So you have to imagine. Uh, think it, yeah, picture, picture it in your head. There's not a lot of gold. There's not a lot of gold. Uh, and this is incredibly valuable if you're like a narco tra- uh, trafficker, uh-huh. a drug trafficker type, because you are sometimes dealing in the hundreds of millions of dollars and you need to get that money uh, into a, a liquid form. And uh, it's incredibly uh, efficient to do that via gold. And it's also not monitored really uh, at all. <laughs> there's lots of... Uh, uh, there's actually a, an incredibly good episode on Netflix, actually, uh, on Dirty Money about gold, where they basically explain that, like, if you, you can take gold and launder it through these sort of um, agencies in, like, uh, South America, and they will vouch for this money not being, like, trafficked money, and then it's gone into thin air. It turns into gold. There's there's very little tracking on it. You can take that gold, melt it down, turn it into spot gold, and just turn it turns into money. I mean, I like to get paid exclusively in uh, apartheid era South African cougar ants for all of my labor. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you... it's yeah. cool. Is that why, Gabe? What, what? Oh, it's just dope. They're just dope gold coins. Yeah. <laughs> Do you... Do you know what a cougar ant is, David? I have no idea what a cougar ant is, man. I'm a pacifist. I don't believe in that. <laughs> oh, dude, cougar ants are oh, they're tight. They're like these little coins. They're like probably like this big. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's they like the are size of like, a quarter. Is what you're holding up? Uh, more like an old fashioned, <laughs> an old old fashioned dollar. No, no, like the inside, the inside, oh. like the uh, like an like an old fashioned uh, dollar. Listeners coin. of yeah. the podcast, I- listeners of the podcast are just like imagining like a big fish situation where Danny is just like. Every single time he reimagines the size of the cougar ant, it's just a bigger and bigger. Uh, yeah, so it's about a quarter size, and it's, it's a dollar. It, it's a it's a dollar. It, did I tell you about my friend who found a sock full of cruger ants once? No, that sounds pretty. <laughs> uh, this sounds like the beginning of a great adventure movie. 
Yeah. He was in his he was in <laughs> he was in his his grandmother's attic cleaning it out and he just found a small sock full of like maybe 7 to 10 Krugerrands. That friend, and, Elon Musk. He, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and with those Krugerrands, he flipped them and then he flipped them and then he flipped them. <laughs> No, he was a crazy. He was crazy, man. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but he was. Uh, he was like this weird, spindly, uh, uh, gay man. He weighed like maybe 140 pounds, soaking wet. He loved guns, and every t- and he would steal from American Apparel constantly. Uh, and uh, yeah, he would just every every once in a while he would just run out of money, and he'd just cash in one of his Krugerrands. <laughs> it was really funny. Are you saying that like you? Did it, you're not going to say his name because it's so hard to pronounce in Afrikaans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, my, me, me friend, me friend David. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's I, I've actually have no idea what a South African accent really sounds like. So, but look, I let's get back to this to the story at hand. That's a yes, wild ass yes. story. If your friend wants to hang out sometime, tell him not to call me. So the so <laughs> the this um basically. $2 trillion of these FinCEN files and payments that banks have flagged as suspicious, uh, $514.9 billion in transactions involved gold companies. Uh, mm-hmm. You're exactly right. It is a favored vehicle for money laundering. And here are some of the stories that uh, the FinCEN files came up with. There's one for every continent except for Antarctica. Uh, looking at... so. There's one in uh, a freelance journalist in Liberia reported on suspicious transactions involving a local gold company. I think the idea of money laundering happening in a corrupt African nation is almost, uh, that's not even really news at this point. But in 2013, Standard Chartered Bank filed a suspicious activity report, this is quoting directly from them, on more than $11 million in transactions involving uh, this company called Golden Vision Trading in part because some of the transactions were in round dollar amounts, which the bank wrote as a known vehicle for money laundering. Now, and, huh. can't we just change that and say instead of, uh, can't we just add like a, a .97 at the end of these so that mm-hmm. it seems like it's not round anymore? Yeah, just make like, it, just, yeah, let's make it 1099. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> oh, David, David, David. Just use the retail original, tricks. Oh, wait, wait. The original, the original ninety-nine cent option was actually a money laundering avoidance scheme. <laughs> yeah. No, David, you're 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 burying the lead on this because when I read this goddamn article, I sent, I fucking made a screenshot because I thought this was so fucking fantastic. The guy who came up with this, his name is Aloysius David, but okay, so, which is weird on its own. But the way he spelled Aloysius is A-L-L-O-Y. Aloysius. This is too good. <laughs> He's the journalist. You could not write. <laughs> He's the journalist, Danny. That's the journalist, not the you guy. You couldn't. The, the, the guy talking about gold, gold, his name is Alloy? What are you fucking kidding me? This is perfect. Have you guys heard of the theory that your name determines your career? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Has anyone heard this before? I mean, my name is David Eisenberg, which is what made me a financial journalist. Uh, but, but so i guess Alo- aloysius david uh had the same thing uh in mind where he's like i am going to report on alloys because he's alloylicious I, I can only talk about metals it's uh, great okay enough of making fun of an african person's name let's move on <laughs> um <laughs> gabe is giving the evil eye right now yeah uh, like why are you making fun of this dude's name this is 
Uh, I'm not making fun. It's the it's a cool name, but it's like, that's that's amazing. I'm I I refuse to apologize for a man being named Alloy. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, okay, well we have some we have we're uh, half of the podcast is getting canceled by the other half right now. <laughs> some cool laser noises. Uh, yeah, yeah. That signifies canceling, I guess. Uh, so yeah. next region, Asia and the Middle East. Uh, and this, so basically another uh, dozens of transactions uh, that were flagged by a reporter from the Indian Express, a uh, name uh, Shyamal Yadav. Uh, suspicious, uh, suspicious activity between Dubai-based gold trader Kaloti and several Indian companies. Uh, directly quoting, Indian authorities seized gold from one of these companies, Surana Corporation, in 2013. For alleged violations of import law, although the investigation was later closed due to insufficient evidence. Coloti said it had ceased trading with Serana Corporation in 2013 and never exported gold to the company. Very, uh, oh, we just stopped it. It's done. We're not, we didn't do anything wrong. We stopped. <laughs> I mean, that's just classic Dubai shit, you know. Uh, love, love, love to hear it. That is some Dubai shit for sure. You know there's an on the border in Dubai? What? There's an on the border Mexican grill in Dubai. I think you, Danny, you might. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Did Anthony Bourdain visit cut? this place? How do we? How do we know about this place? Is there an episode of the Taco Chronicles where they go to Dubai? Uh, they give out free water at that on the border, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, valuable commodity they, they, in Dubai. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. a pe- oh. they're a peacekeeper, they're a peacekeeping organization. Then because uh, that place, uh, not not a ton of great, not a ton of water. <laughs> in Sex in the City too. They mostly just ate at the on the border. Uh, th- th- didn't that one go in Dubai? Wasn't that uh, that one that was? No one knows. Is it? No one knows here because we're all boys. Is it? Is it uh, on the border? <laughs> on the border with Yemen? On the border with <laughs> o- o- Oman, on the border with <laughs> yeah. Qatar, just like, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like every single customer walks in, it's like what border, what border, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> to which border <laughs> do they refer? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so looking into Europe, uh, looks like there were some. These were some reporters uh, within the investigative unit of Switzerland's Temedia reported on divisions among Swiss gold refiners over concerns about the Swiss refiner. Valcambi's business relationship with Coloti, the same, uh, the, the same, the same from uh, the last uh, reference. IJ, uh, ICIG. So the, these reporters and Tamedia and other media organizations reported on a previously undisclosed U.S. investigation into Coloti. Coloti sounds like they're in the middle of it all, baby, for alleged money laundering. That, but the Coloti denies any wrongdoing. They, but they really sa- seem like they're. There's just the hub. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and of course it happens in Switzerland, you know, the, uh, I mean, they're not famous for holding any, uh, it's not like they're famous for holding like a weird, uh, kind of fascist regimes gold <laughs> unmarked yeah. in one of their, their <laughs> one of their patented bank accounts that has no, uh, uh, information that explains who owns it. <laughs> I think you can just presume that any transaction that occurs between Swiss, Switzerland and the UAE is just inherently corrupt. Like there will be, even if even if it is a Venmo payment for five dollars, there will be 
some blood money in there somehow. Uh, I mean, the, the greatest trick they ever pulled was to um, uh, rebrand morally bankrupt as neutral. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Like, yeah. So that's my that's my thing with Switzerland. They're probably they're probably one. the worst. That's gonna that's gonna go on. That's that was a good quote, man. That's gonna go in your memorable quotes section. Okay. Swish. Uh, I've got. I've, yeah. I, 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 I think on our uh, sixty episodes, I've gotten maybe four, or five, five memorable quotes <laughs> so far. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I, I think I'm I'm still at two, and I do sixty percent of the talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on to Latin America, the last region of the world. Uh, I guess they didn't mention that's 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 the big boy. Uh, in Colombia, is a journalist named Pilar Cortez Rodriguez, uh, reported as part of a collaboration between a few other uh, Latin American uh, outfits. Wrote about uh, this guy, C. I. J. Gutierrez, a gold company at the center of a money laundering investigation, and the Colombian bank Banco Colombia, Bank Colombia. Colombian prosecutor Banco Colombia. Banco Colombia. They combined the Banco. two. Colombian prosecutors were concerned about a special Banco Colombia procedure that allowed CIJ Gutierrez to deal in large sums of cash, which is harder to trace. Uh, yep. And they uh, obviously the bank denied. Uh, uh, but and so sorry, Banco Colombia has not been accused of any wrongdoing, and lawyers for the individuals associated with CIJ Gutierrez have insisted that their clients are innocent. Of course. Uh, so it looks like that, those are some of the big stories, but that the big thing is to know is that gold could very well be 25% of all money laundering that takes globally, Mm -hmm. takes place globally. That's our first commodity. That's that, that's the one that we all love folks. You love to see it. Uh, gold is, and I mean like, and there's not too much you can do about it. Cause again, you know, you can get like a, a certified gold uh, bar from Pomp Suisse or like Royal Canadian Gold Minting and have it imprinted and be like, oh, this is three nines fine gold, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It has a number on it, whatever. But then just get an oxyacetylene torch, melt it down, and then you just got spot gold, baby. Completely anonymous. Something that Ponzi Scream is not advocating for on the record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, definitely, uh, what type of de- definitely we're not at. <laughs> this this is sponsored by torches that melt gold. Yeah. We should yeah. get. I I think I found our new sponsor, boys. Yeah. Also, also, for what's it for what it's worth, uh, uh, like a Roku remote amount of gold is like. Thirty thousand dollars worth of gold, so none of our followers are gonna have any kind of uh, not to not to call our our followers poor, but uh, good luck uh, if if you've got that amount of gold, then that I that you're doing you're doing better than me. Ponzi scheme, the podcast for how to commit a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so next uh, story. Uh, this one is, is another story on commodities. What I think is just interesting about these three stories is it's looking at commodity extraction and the uses of commodities mm-hmm. in three kind mm-hmm. of different ways of criminality, I think. And this next one is uh, far more sober uh, than the last one. This is Apple and Google and Tesla and Microsoft were named in a lawsuit over Congolese child cobalt mining debts. So, oh, yeah. So the uh, plaintiffs are seemingly 12 or 13 individual 
children. Sweet. Have been... <clears throat> <laughs> uh, Operation Nimble Fingers. So yeah. this is the, the lawsuit for kids, huh? Uh, and yeah. what's happening to these children in the Democratic Republic of Congo? Yeah, the, the Democratic Republic kids, of Congo. <laughs> yeah, ki- kids on the beat. Kids on the beat. Beat kids. Beat kids. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> they have uh, sued Apple, Google, Dell, Microsoft, and Tesla uh, for human rights violations. Uh, so basically, there's uh, some research done by an anti-slavery economist accuses the companies of aiding and abetting in the death in serious injury of children whom they claim were working in cobalt mines in their supply chain. Um, so kind of everyone, like that's the thing is some of the, <laughs> we all kind of knew this, right? Like we all. Oh yeah. Dude. Oh, I've, yeah. I've seen Snowpiercer. I know yeah. what happens. You get yeah. to the front of the engine and then hidden in the floorboards of the main room are little kids with nimble fingers who are working in the heart of the beast and the heart of all of our supply chains requires us to extract, um, you know, precious metals and other commodities from incredibly volatile and dangerous and precarious uh, environments. And who better to do that than little kids that can crawl into tiny holes deep into the bowels of the earth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, like you know, uh, like, and if anybody has it, it still does isn't able to wrap their mind around this, and you have seen the movie Uncut Gems, just imagine the opening sequence where they're getting the uncut gem, essentially. Right, and now and, 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 and now yeah. turn all of those actors into toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and the caves are smaller and and uh, shittier, and uh, yeah, it's um. And at a, ba- a greater scale, too, you know, it's so 60 percent because... of cobalt originates in the DRC, one of the most one of the poorest and most unstable countries in the world. And I think in the opening of Uncut Gems, it was taking place in Ethiopia or Kenya. You know, both of those countries are relatively far better off than than DRC. I mean, DRC has been um, and, and that's kind of the one of the craziest things, actually, is that the lawsuit spends pages detailing the level the extreme extractive colonialism and horrible treatments uh of the colonial powers by foreign uh, of of the DRC by colonial powers that doesn't usually go in a criminal complaint you criminal complaints don't yeah. criminal complaints don't have sentences like in the late 1880s king leopold ii of belgium sees the Congo yeah. as his personal private property in his bid to be a colonial power. That doesn't, that's not in most, most complaints. It, <laughs> yeah. They, they spend so much. And so the horrors of this period are graphically depicted in Adam Horschild's book, King Leopold's ghosts, as well as in Joseph Conrad's heart of darkness. This is a legal filing and they're referencing Joseph Conrad. Um, so I want to get yeah, yeah th- this is interesting because uh that the moment in history where Belgium uh took over the Congo and created such mass suffering was the moment where uh bicycles became ubiquitous in the um post-industrial west. So oh, no. bicycles are were seen as a great liberating force, right? They they were the iPhone of the time. 
because uh, yeah. young women could now uh, freely ride around on their own. And uh, it was a de- it was a, de- a dem- democratic tool, right? It helped people mm-hmm. move and be free and go to salons and drink coffee and just not be stuck at home. Be, be hipsters. Yeah, be hipsters. The bicycles. OG fix fix gear bicycle riding hipsters. Yeah, uh, yeah. And what did they need for this? They needed rubber for their tires. So where do we get the yes. rubber from? You get the rubber from the rubber trees in the Congo. Who is going to go and extract all that rubber? You need to have slaves to do it, whether in name or just de facto. And so all of our uh, all of these things that have helped liberate one small part of society or the world um, mm-hmm. are is extracted from the raw resources and through slave labor. And all of our smartphones now uh, have the blood of little nimble fingered Congolese children flowing through them. It's almost. <laughs> David's face. <laughs> like, we, that's the thing. It's like the crazy. Th- this complaint is one of the most um, eye-popping complaints I've ever seen. There's uh, do- maybe a dozen images of all of these severe permanent leg injuries and other mm-hmm. injuries. Uh, you know, mangled permanently arms of ten-year-old children, twelve-year-old children. That's all over th- this complaint. You don't usually have photos in it. Compound fractures, as far as the eye can see, just yeah, really bad. Yeah, uh, something. Yeah, exactly. It ta- it, it it looks at and exposes this, but it's kind of like I don't know. Any of you? We've all kind of been in conversations with any normal person, and people just in the West kind of know this, but mm-hmm. to see it is kind of another thing. It's a. I'll share the complaint in in the link episode because it's really worth looking at. And the they're suing these big tech companies under international human rights law. There's an American law that basically says if you are a company that's involved in human trafficking, you can be criminally liable for the child or just in child trafficking, you can be criminally liable for that. And basically, they're alleging that the tech companies knew. Uh, had active knowledge, specific knowledge that they were involved in this child cobalt mining. So if they don't know, it's kind of like when uh, Trump has infected everyone in the Rose Garden with coronavirus, and yet they don't call uh, all the guests and do contact tracing on them. And so it, the sin is a sin of omission, where it's like, the, of course they should be following the whole like this is contact tracing for cobalt where is right. the cobalt coming yeah. from where like yeah. obviously you need it it is it is the the foundation of uh the ingredients that you need to make a smartphone how can you not know where it comes from it's not like these mines are on wheels and that they're constantly moving around it's not like they live in like there's a fog that is uh impenetrable where you can't you know, find the exact GPS coordinates of these mines. Like we know exactly. where the cobalt's coming from. So yeah, it's it's so acute. It's so acute uh, in its location. You know, beca- <laughs> because because so much of all precious metals, for that matter, uh, whether it's gold, uh, lithium, cobalt, um, you know, yeah. any all that a lot of that shit comes from Africa. There's no cobalt mines in Tennessee, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So there's no 
it, it's like when Tim Cook or you know Bill Gates or any of these people who have any kind of uh, sway be like, oh, we couldn't have possibly known. It's just you know, it's like saying, really, yeah, you didn't think anything fishy was happening in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, a place that has been historically fucked with. It's like. It's it's uh, it's incomp- it's it's gross and complex. Right, and it's fucked with by design because it's so because the products there are so valuable to the rest of um civilization that to have yeah. regulations there to have labor rights there would would uh be a wrench in the machine. Absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of people in Tennessee who I'm sure would love to have like a job mining cobalt with a living wage and like reasonable health and safety benefits. You know, like there's it's not that mining itself is inherently a problematic endeavor. This is something that needs to be done, and if done correctly, can be a reasonable path and a reasonable career of a job. Uh, the problem is obviously that this is children, and they're being paid in just starvation wages. Um, the companies themselves had really interesting quotes in this Guardian article that covered the complaints uh, by Annie Kelly. And uh, I, I want to read Apple's. Apple is deeply committed to the responsible sourcing of materials that go into our products. <laughs> yeah, good start. Uh, we've led the industry yeah, by yeah. establishing the strictest standards for our suppliers and are constantly working to raise the bar for ourselves and the industry. I'm very curious to hear what the residents of Zhengzhou, China, have to say about that. In 2014, we were the first to start mapping our cobalt supply chain to the mine level. And since 2016, we have published a full list of our identified cobalt refiners every year, 100% of which are participating in the independent third-party audits. If a refiner is unable or unwilling to meet our standards, they will be removed from our supply chain. We've removed six cobalt refiners in 2019. Okay. A bunch of rotten apples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. It's a, uh, so, a half yeah. dozen rotten apples, guys. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it, uh, it, it's funny too because you think about it and uh, it's, it really, they just, they love, they love hiding behind the third party contractor thing, mm-hmm. you know? Always, I mean, th- I mean, think, think about it. If you were Apple and, you know, your products are highly, highly dependent on these rechargeable batteries you would think to yourself you know honestly what we got to do we just have to set up some sort of base in you know in these places because honestly our products are so dependent that it is a liability for us to not be there but they know they fucking can't because these places are just unregulated hell holes and uh they're just uh the it just it fuck it stinks it stinks. Yeah. And the, I mean, lithium, it's like a similar, it, similarly like morally compromised situation where there's a reasonable suspicion that firms like Tesla had a knowledge, at least, of the coup that took place in Bolivia last year. Uh, and then with the cover up that was kind of perpetuated by the Organization of American States and people in the American media. And all of this was in part because Evo Morales, the socialist president at the time, refused to uh, some of the deals that all these multinational lithium mining companies wanted to impose on Bolivia to get its to get some of its lithium mining done that would have been more exploitative towards the people. He wanted a better deal. 
basically. And he was being a tough negotiator. He was either going to nationalize it, uh, you know, like Allende did with copper, or he was yeah. going to have it just be a square deal. And, you know, something that wouldn't have human rights violations, which would have raised the prices for Tesla and for its raw materials. And they could not do that. It's kind of the same thing where they are working to undermine human rights abroad in order to lower prices here and keep their profits for themselves uh, instead of just taking the cut. Um, I don't know what else to say about this one. This one's horrible. Uh, it's just another instance of just this, these commodities. Uh, this, this is a different use of commodities than the gold one in the sense that this is strictly related to its extraction. It's enough on the uh, on the nose that literally this was the uh, the the subject matter and topic of the 2010 James Bond movie Quantum of Solace, <laughs> where oh, wow. they were literally they were literally talking about uh, lithium mines being extracted, uh, and that's why they were trying to get them. Oh, so, that's what that was. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go watch that. Yeah. Uh, learn learn something yeah. about lithium. Uh, so the last commodity. A look at push that we want to examine is not the abuse of the commodity as a trading currency through money laundering, not the extraction of the of the commodity itself, but in the labeling of a product as a commodity. I think that this is not something that involves a criminality per se, but I think that it deserves it, in my opinion. So the headline from Bloomberg and from Mint and Wall Street Journal, Wall Street, mm -hmm. Wall Street. Is starting to is set to start trading in a new commodity, water. Hell yeah, <laughs> that drip, drip, drip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're about to start trading futures contracts on California's water supply. Sick. After record forest fires, uh, mm -hmm. what should we do, guys? You guys are constantly in a drought, and you're wasting all your water. Why don't we monetize it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. This this one is I I feel like the water trading idea has a real chaotic energy to it because they're trying to impose you know like a degree of control and like uh, just a degree of control to how water works and uh you know I took a water control and um planning class you know in college wow like I know I know it's my senior capstone uh and the one thing that I really was able to take away from it uh, is that very plainly there are parts of the world and there and the, uh, that are water rich, and there are parts uh, that aren't, and it's uh, it's not it's it's not something you know that you can easily just kind of like pick up and take to another place um, without it costing a lot and without it just being a huge. Uh, burden you know all the water in california for example is coming from the colorado river and uh it is such a drain on the colorado river that it is actually um you know lessening it year after year after year uh to the point where like california's water scarcity is something that will come into play probably in the next 30 years do you guys know that the you colorado know? river used to actually reach the pacific ocean <laughs> really yeah <laughs> of course it did yeah 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 um yeah so it, it yeah so almost two-thirds according to the article almost two-thirds of the waters 
the world's population is, expect, is expected to face water shortages by 2025. Also, the article itself is almost an exact cut and paste of the press release that this uh, firm that is creating these waters futures. So sick. So but, this is sponsored content. Essentially, yeah. yeah right, okay. So I, I want I want to take a step back. Like let, let's first define what a waters future is. Okay. So a waters future would essentially a futures contract is a type of investment where you are betting on a contingency happening in the future. Okay. Yeah. And it is often used to counterweigh potential bad things happening, other the opposite from happening. Okay, so this is something that is uh, these futures contracts are hedge instruments. That's what it right. So that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to counteract what other forces might happen in the economy. Uh, generally open to firms such as food or agricultural producers, land lease owners, municipalities, and public water agencies. So the idea behind this futures contract is those folks, food or agriculture producers, when water gets scarce, they will invest in future water, like water futures, which essentially mm -hmm. rise when the price is of water is high. Okay? So yeah. what they will be able to do is both be the buyer and seller of water to themselves, essentially, by... These folks, like food and agriculture producers, landowners, they are some of the biggest consumers of water themselves, okay? So, so is, it, is it like OPEC or oil, but instead of, you know, Saudi Arabia being one end of it, it would be if, like, Saudi Arabia was the whole part of it? Sort of, yeah. It's, uh, you are both parts of—you are the whole supply chain, okay? And th that's what the Waters Futures yeah. Contracts is allowing. I mean, anyone can invest in these in theory. But the article and the press release that CME put out said that it would be particularly useful for these firms who have to buy the water. And so in theory, if you have a water's futures contract, okay, you will be – you have a stake in the price of water in the future. And that will also help you yeah. predict the price of water in the future, which means that – when the price of water in the future gets to a certain price, that's affecting you as a landowner because all of a sudden yeah. your costs are higher. But you own this hedging instrument, these waters futures, to counterbalance that, to allow you to still be able to survive in a high water, in a high, like a, an expensive water environment. Okay? Does that make sense? Kind of. I feel like it is it still feels so weird and detached from reality because it's just one of those things where I I mean when you talk about oil being a commodity it's just sort of like you could conceivably think of a world where it's like okay maybe no oil could ever be extracted or burned or whatever it's a weird world for sure but it's it's a possibility but when they're talking about like water where it's like you, you, it's it's hard to put it to, to visualize it in the market like that because it's like no 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 you don't understand you, you if people don't drink this for th uh, uh, like three days they die <laughs> yeah you, you know yeah the bees need the water the flowers need the water the water is yeah, in yeah. the clouds <laughs> the trees like <laughs> it's 
uh, we needed to wash ourselves. We needed for our clothes. It's like this. You cannot have a civilization without it. It feels it needs to go in our lead pipes. Yeah, this is a Mad Max <laughs> like uh, Fury Road thing where um, when you commodify it and it can be monopolized by a group of people, it's like a more. I think of a Morton Joe on top of his tower, just distributing it uh, willy nilly. Yeah. So the contracts uh, are tied to California's one point one billion dollar water market, which will launch. Yeah. Uh, supposed to launch late this year, uh, pending regulatory review. And currently, about forty percent of water is consumed uh, in the state by crop production, folks. So yeah, yeah, by your it's fucking a- almonds for almond milk. So wasteful. Yeah. Your fucking yeah. almond milk. I yeah. No, that yeah. It's it's uh it, it's one of those things where you have to sort of like hold your tongue when you're talking about it because like it could be very tempting to just be like oh people waste water so much it's so bad or whatever blah 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 but then you think about walnut producers specifically like legumes in California and those trees take so much water for just like this tiny little thing. And uh, they absolutely cap, you know, um, they absolutely capitalize off of it and just completely gerrymandered that system to their own advantage. And it's just one of those things where the system cannot imagine us not having walnuts, yeah, or whatever. So what it's this, like, yeah. So what yeah. this would allow for is those who have capital to invest in water futures, which is basic, which is largely the key forty percent consumers of water currently in industrial agricultural production will be able to hedge the increasing cost of water, which is just the sentence itself or the phrase itself, increasing cost of water should all rub us the wrong way because the idea of Mm -hmm. water being a price uh, like, like what Gabe's family was discussing uh, is something that should be, you know, back when there was suspicions about DC's drinking water being bad uh, that should raise red flags uh, in our minds anyways. But when those folks have access to he- a hedging instrument to make water cheaper, basically, for themselves in the aggregate, okay, because they're going to mm-hmm. be making money mm-hmm. off of the higher price, but also handling, paying the higher cost on both sides. They're, they're sweetening the pot for themselves either way. Yeah. But the other 60% of people will not have access to this hedging instrument. Bees will not have access to the hedging <laughs> instruments. Yeah. You know, yeah. squirrels will not have access to the hedging instrument. Cacti, saguaro cacti, and Joshua trees will not have access to this hedging instrument. What we're going to have to do is befriend beavers, like I bring up every episode, yeah. and <laughs> have them <laughs> create natural reservoirs of water for us. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hedging instrument is is just chilling in the angry beaver's house. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's a uh, uh, again, I re- they're just playing, uh, you know, no pun intended with fire just because uh, it's a really chaotic uh, thing to try to control. You know, uh, uh, water is is um, incredibly specific in how it interacts with certain areas of the country. Um, places like Portland, Oregon have a really rich natural water source congratulations um uh yes yes beautiful water mm-hmm, source yeah. i have a uh, um um new york state like you guys have mentioned has a very good 
water source. Very it's wet. Why... It's got that that wap. Yeah, yeah, it's a wet ass water source. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but again, places like California don't, and the desert doesn't, and um, it's just gonna get more and more chaotic uh, and exacerbated as climate change kind of continues. Of course, as well. And it, what the, the one person that came up in this story is our friend Michael Burry who yes. discussed water, uh, the issue of investing in water or investing in farmland with water on site. He discussed it, it he mentioned it in the big short as well. And he has since uh, left uh, the water and farm holdings market. But this is the problem with folks who see a problem and try to hedge and personally profit off of it through shorting, right? Like, yeah. This is why ultimately Michael Burry is a very smart man and a but ultimately an antagonist or an anti-hero in the film The Big Short. This man is not a valiant person because if you take what he did in The Big Short and you apply it to anything less esoteric and more directly of a trolley problem or some sort of ethical dilemma such as water shortages he is going to find a way to profit from him personally and then piece the fuck out. He is not actually going to try and look at it systemically. So he knows the things and is just trying to make money off of it, not trying to do the nice thing, do the good thing. He's worried about his bag, son. It's all about rising, grinding, <laughs> getting your bag, filling it with cougar ants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is it's, it is interesting because he got out of it. But um, moral of the story is treat anybody talking about water futures in a finance, you know, in a purely just sort of like speculative way. Uh, treat them with um, uh, an immense amount of skepticism. And everything they say, and then disdain, and uh, yeah, and with disdain, and compare it to like seeing somebody who recently got hit, like compared to somebody who's like on the, the the ground having been hit by a car, and they've got a like I said a compound fact fracture. It's the equivalent of a guy running up to that guy and being like, "Hey, I, I bet that guy's gonna get his leg chopped off. Do you want to bet me fifty dollars that his like gets chopped off?" Right. That's right. what it. That <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. Like the, you know, instead of helping their him. their pessimism is uh, a great um, it's it's a great resource, but they're using it uh to both accelerate and capitalize off of the worst possible case scenario instead of helping ameliorate the problem they've been blackpilled man it's a form of blackpilling yeah uh well cool i feel great I, i'm i'm in a good place to end. <laughs> i think this is a perfect place to end the episode um i'm really i'm really glad on i mean it's depressing but i i am always fascinated and i'm always glad we can talk about uh these kinds of things because it's very it's lots of different versions of like a similar problem and it's yeah cobalt golden oh. water Cobalt golden water. <laughs> that's what the that's what the giant miner in my remake of uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is going to be singing about. <laughs> yeah, some like some company propaganda. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, well, this has been Ponzi Scream. Uh, good luck, everyone. Be, stay safe out there. Hopefully, the president will be dead next time when you hear this. When you hear this episode, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. We love it. Rate, smash review, the like button. Subscribe. Smash Five the like. stars. Smash the follow. Five stars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. S say hello to me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, bye, bye fam. All right. Bye. <laughs>